You're listening to the Quince podcast. Heavy rains and flash floods have lashed southern and central parts of Kerala since 14th October, resulting in at least 25 deaths and many more feared missing. This untimely havoc has devastated districts across the state, with landslides and flash floods sweeping away houses and buildings. In one instance, rescue teams in Kerala's Iduki district, while rummaging through debris, found the bodies of a mother and her son hugging each other. In another instance, three generations and a family of six were washed away in the Kottayam district. Though rains have now slowed down and a fresh spell is expected from 20th October, what has puzzled many experts is why such an extreme weather event took place in October, a time where monsoons in southwestern India have historically retreated. And no prices for guessing why, it is all pointing towards climate change. The IMD has stated that a low pressure system in the Arabian Sea is the reason. But the recurring nature of this kind of extreme rain event in Kerala has led to many experts pointing towards climate change as the reason. So, are more extreme weather events in Kerala's future? What systems need to be in place to detect this kind of event? And what lessons have the Kerala government learned from previous such extreme weather events? To discuss all this, we spoke with Anjal Prakash, who is the Research Director and Associate Professor at the Bharti Institute of Public Policy at the Indian School of Business and an IPCC author, NKA Shaji, a senior Kerala-based environment journalist. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Himmat. For the third time in four years, the state is witnessing flooded roads, landslides and houses, bridges and cars being washed away by flash floods and incessant rains. In a video captured on social media, a two-story house in the Kotem district on 17th October was swept away by flash floods as the water washed away the foundation of the building. Now, the IMD has placed six districts of Kerala, namely Patanam Tita, Kotayam, Ernakulam, Idduki, Thrissur and Palakkad, indicating extremely heavy rainfall in the region. Districts like Kolam, Tiruvanthampuram and Vayanad were put on orange alert. Alerts have also sounded off at reservoirs and dams at Idduki and Ernakulam as water levels reach red levels or the maximum amount of water the reservoir can hold. According to an Indian Express report, Ernakulam Reservoir will likely touch its red alert level of nearly 2,398 feet by 18th October evening. The report also states that the delayed withdrawal of the southwest monsoon is also to be blamed for the incessant rains in the southern state. The report states that though rainfall is a common sight in Kerala in October, extreme localized events like these are not. Though several media reports in the IMD are pointing towards the floods being a localized phenomenon that has occurred due to low pressure systems, Anjal Prakash, who is the Associate Professor at the Bharti Institute of Public Policy at Indian School of Business, points out that several affected areas like Kotem District have been witnessing a steady rise in more extreme events and that these weather events need to be taken in the context of the rapidly changing climate. So, I mean, if you look at uh, the uh, whole issue of Kerala's flood, um, the main reason of the flood has been assessed as high intensity rainfall in short duration, poor and inadequate uh, drainage capacity, unplanned reservoir uh, regulation, and failure of flood control measures, the structures that we have, right? Uh, If you see the recent uh, press release from the Med Department, it tells us also that there's a low pressure area over the uh, Southeast Arabian Sea and the adjoining Kerala that has caused the flooding. Uh, So definitely this, when we look at it in totality, this is a 
this is a combination of a localized phenomena, but it has a larger um, uh, you know, uh, issue, which is uh, related to climate change. And I'll come to that uh, as, we, as we go along and as we discuss further. Uh, but if you see in the Kerala, Kotem, the Iduki district, that is uh, that are the region which is now severely affected, uh, there's a steady rise in the number of extreme rainfall events during the past decades, actually speaking. Uh, the rainfall at Kochi, uh, Kochi uh, registered about uh, 232 millimeters in last 24 hours in July, which was like breaking all the records of the century. Uh, similarly, in P uh, Piravom uh, district, uh, the, it was recorded 221 millimeter. In Munnar, it was like 202 millimeters of rainfall. So these are, uh, you know, uh, indication of a much larger phenomena, which is beyond the local issues. And that is uh, the worrying part uh, as a climate scientist for all of us. But experts have also warned that incidents like these are likely to recur as the weather system becomes more unpredictable. Sample this. According to a report on India Spent, Monsoon started at 110% of normal levels in June this year, dipped to 93% in July, further sunk to 73% in August, and then bounced back to a quote-unquote rare 135%. This up and down in monsoon levels triggered extreme rain events in Maharashtra, Gujarat, Telangana, and now Kerala. The report also points out that the formation of cyclonic events like Cyclone Gulab, which made landfall in Andhra Pradesh in September, is rare, and even rarer is its remnants travelling across the peninsula to the Arabian Sea. Even the latest intergovernmental panel on climate change, IPCC report, stated that the monsoons in India will be more variable and uncertain in the future, causing more damage to both infrastructure and agriculture than expected. The report pertinently highlights that, quote-unquote, the frequency of heavy precipitation events has increased over India, while the frequency of moderate rain events has decreased since 1950. In short, climate change has decreased the likelihood of moderate rainfall events, which is essential for agriculture, and increased the likelihood of more extreme weather events. According to Anjal Prakash, who is one of the authors of the latest IPCC report, Kerala floods is becoming a yearly phenomenon, and that it's a no-brainer that these are climate change-induced events. So if you, we have to go by slightly back in history, like in 2011, there was this Cardinal Committee, which has put together a series of recommendations to the central government about the ecological fragility of the region, especially the Western Ghat, and Kerala is part of this one. They found that there's the highest number uh, of variable, um, you know, vulnerable zone in Kerala. Uh, and they cited a couple of reasons uh, of them uh, to be classified as such. One of the reasons of Kerala's vulnerability definitely is about geographical, you know, region that it holds in, uh, its position amidst the uh, hearts. Uh, in 2018 flood, we have found that about 400 people died and more than 1 million were displaced. Uh, this is one of the worst flooding Kerala has actually experienced in a century. But in 2019, the flood, 29 flood, uh, about 121 people uh, reported killed, about 200,000 people were severely affected. Now this year, if you find that there, uh, they know the Kerala flood is also uh, becoming very severe. Uh, so this is becoming, as you said rightly, this is becoming a, 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 a yearly phenomena. Uh, and this is apart from definitely the climate change uh, issues. And I'll just come to the climate change issues also, because I think that's important for us to draw um, uh, attention to some of the global changes which is happening. So let's just focus on the um, you know um, reports that IPCC uh, scientists have been clearly bringing out, and I've been part of one such report called Special Report on Ocean and Stratosphere. Now, uh, the uh, this, uh, these reports actually has very clearly warned us uh, that uh, the global warming has reached about one degree above the pre-industrial level, and due to past and current uh, greenhouse gas emission, 
there's an also overwhelming evidence that this is resulting in profound consequences on its people uh, and ecosystem. Um, and this, uh, the, this, this global warming actually has led to what we call the, uh, the ocean has sunk in most of the um, you know, carbon which has been emitted. And ocean is more warmer, more acidic, and it's also less productive. Now, what is uh, happening is that it feeds into what we call the uh, warming of ocean, feeds into increased cyclonic phenomena or the depression that, that we keep seeing. Now, the special report on ocean stratosphere, which I was part of, we have uh, you know, uh, discussed that about 38% of the world's population is vulnerable to rise in sea level and the changes in the cryosphere, and, uh, which is the frozen part of the world. And this is the kind of, so you can imagine about around 40% of people are on in the world um, are vulnerable to these changes. And most of them actually are uh, also in, in, in the southern part of the world, which is the, uh, you know, and, and, and a significant number of people are staying in South Asia. So this is the, like the overall figure that we are getting uh, from the different reports of IPCC. So the, the latest report, the working group one, the science of climate change report has actually, uh, reaffirmed the earlier report. So earlier report when I'm talking about, there's special reports, especially the 1.5 degree global warming or the special report on ocean and atmosphere. Um, this has the, the findings of uh, these reports have actually been <coughs> um, reaffirmed by the latest report that we have. So this is quite uh, what I would say, uh, uh, you know, there's no brainer that these are not, the freak events are not climate-led events or climate change-led extreme events. And that has been uh, established. Um, what is uh, more worrisome for us is actually about the lack of response to these reports because we, the science is out there, the knowledge is there, but what is missing is the action and that's the problem. Rescue operations in Kerala are in full swing with the Indian Army, Air Force and Navy joining in local administrations to help evacuate affected regions in the Red Alert districts. Kerala Chief Minister Pinarayi Vijayan has called emergency meetings over the past three days to discuss flood relief measures and has announced that camps with COVID protocols have been established. According to a Times of India report, emergency assistance amount of Rs 4 lakh to the kin of the dead has also been announced by the state government. But beyond just damage control, is Kerala taking ecological sustainable decisions? K.S. Sharji, a senior journalist based in Kerala, says that despite going through severe flooding thrice, the state government has not learned any lessons. He speaks on the measures announced by the government and their progress so far. Yeah, the thing is that Kerala started witnessing the extreme weather events in 2018 for the first time. Before that, there were occasional landslides, occasional floodings. Not in this, this kind. Not, not in this kind. And even in 2000, what happened to, today and the day before, the, Today, yesterday, and day before yesterday was almost a replica of what happened in 2018. And uh, in 2018, about uh, seven uh, districts of the state have been most affected. And this time also, the southern districts of Kotayam, Miduki, Ernagula, Malapura, and Patra has been affected. And also 26 people have already been killed. And many people rendered uh, uh, climate refugees. And the lessons, by, uh, on the question of learning lessons, I can recall after the 2018 incident, the government was talking about, talking at full length about the proposal strategies to mitigate the future challenges, how to dilute the impact of future challenges in terms of floods, in terms of landslides, and in terms of other natural furies. But nothing concrete has been happened so far. And that time, the chief minister and the various political leaders have been talking that the Kerala must have a resilient kind of 
development initiative and there must be a resilient kind of agriculture pattern and in the case of infrastructure and other development the resilient or climate survival must be the prime motto and without addressing the issues of climate change without addressing the uh, environmental issues of fragile environmental situation now prevailing in kerala the government promised that time that they will not uh, undertake any kind of uh, development measures one of the initiatives announced by the state government post the 2018 floods which caught a lot of headlines was the rebuilt kerala initiative or rki under this initiative funds will be allocated to the reconstruction of roads bridges and livelihood support and these funds were acquired by the government in the form of loans from the world bank the asian development bank and other international banks so where does the rki stand now according to ks shaji the rki has failed to address any concerns regarding climate change or ecological degradation the thing is that the rebuilt kerala initiative as you said it started soon after the 2018 floods and it created large scale scope among the people that it would address many of the major concerns of the state but so far it failed to address any of them and after pushing forward this concept the rebel kerala concerns the state government itself said it is not a restoration of ecology project but they wanted to invite foreign investment to the state to a large scale and their focus was on apart from meeting the salary needs of the employees one of the focus areas was rebuilding the roads those, those which were lost in, during the floods they spent money on the roads they spent money on the uh, bridges they spent money on the building but they never ever used any money on restoring the climate or restoring the original character of the land and for example in this latest uh, uh, flood some 2 3 villages four villages i think in kottayam and district they were the worst suffered places and they were actually classified as uh, environmentally fragile zones by the previous government and uh, the, those previous governments classified them as ecologically fragile zones based on the recommendations of environmental experts but this government without anybody's advice without anybody's recommendation without anybody giving any technical know how the government issued an order declassifying and taking these villages outside the environmentally fragile places and as a result there were numerous constructions happened in these places in the last 2 3 years and these human constructions and human interferences have played a significant role in the huge devastation these places have in the last 3 4 days and you can one thing is sure wherever this time the landslides occurred these people the people who are uh, totally against environmental concerns they are saying climate change is a worldwide phenomenon and increasing the surface heat of sea that is another worldwide phenomenon and uh, landslides and heavy rains are beyond our control so the government or the uh, state have no role in it that is only partially true partially it is true that we may not have a system to regulate the rain we may not be able to uh, check the flow or intensity of the rain but the thing is that if the government had some kind of proper monitoring mechanism if the government was able to regulate the kind of construction that have thrived in this area or the government acted in time against illegal constructions which prevented the flow of water or the government had a prevent had a clear kind of land assignment patterns or the government was helping out creating a model kind of construction or government was promoting a ju- judicious kind of land use the intensity of 
this deluge might have been reduced. Aside from international climate change reports, the state government's own reports have pointed out how ecologically sensitive and prone to floods the state is. One of these reports was the 2013 Western Ghats Ecology Expert Panel, chaired by ecologist Madhav Gargil, which, according to a Deccan Herald report, clearly warned that the state will soon face major natural calamities if no intervention is taken. However, according to the Deccan Herald report, none of the recommendations by the panel like curbing minings, construction of tunnels, were considered by the government. K. Shaji weighs in on some of the biggest infrastructure projects sanctioned by the government since 2018 and how they go against every ecological warning. At one level, the government is saying it was aware of the changing climatical situation. And uh, the government is also saying it is aware of what, what is happening in Kerala. The thing is that Kerala is fast turning as a, a climate change hub and uh, or a climate change uh, hotspot. But at another level, the government is now pushing some big infrastructure projects in Kerala. The prime among them is a fast-moving rail corridor between Thiruvananthapuram and Kasagod in the north, and its name is Silver Line. The Silver Line project, if implemented, would facilitate a kind of wall separating Kerala into two parts. It will, it will go through the exact middle, and the uh, Western Ghats region would be on the one part, and the Arabian Sea side on the other part. So, this project, many environmentalists, many conservationists, many ecological uh, observers, experts, as well as the social scientists have said, it will cause large-scale displacement of people. And it will cause enormous uh, hazards to the climate. And it will intensify whatever the future natural calamities. But the government is not ready to learn. And another level, in the 2018 uh, floods and also in the subsequent years, the northern hill district of Wayanad was one among the worst affected. This time, Wayanad is witnessing moderate severs, but that time it was very heavy and the situation was very tough. And in spite of the precarious condition existing in Wayanad, the government is now pushing a tunnel highway to Wayanad. And it is now being termed as one of the third largest tunnels in entire India. And uh, the, the tunnel project and on the coastal area, the now the Virinjam port, Virinjam port is a joint initiative involving Kerala government and Adani. And now the project works are just uh, ended 50%. And after because of the mindless construction in the sea, uh, the seashore has been fast uh, disappearing. The famous beach in Tiruvannandapuram, it is no more in existence. The lone road, the main road between Tiruvannandapuram city, the capital city, and its airport is now almost disappeared. Now you can see only in Tiruvannandapuram airport, people reaching the airport by walking through a damaged seashore, taking their bags on their heads. So this kind of developmental projects, without understanding what is the ground level of reality, and how it would further worsen the situation. The government is pushing such a developmental agenda without addressing the real issues and without properly checking whether it is environmentally feasible, whether it would withstand the climate change threats and whether it would meet the expectations of the future generations. The IMD has forecasted more heavy rains in Kerala from 20th October. This is a developing story, so stay tuned to the Quint for more updates. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms.
For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts. 